It's go time. Welcome everyone to Third Down Gamble. I'm Don Charman along with Pat Mooney and Heath Graham. Sorry that I'm a little under the weather, but we'll try to get through this as best I can. Okay, guys, first things first, uh, we lose a great player from the league. Brian Burnham is hanging up his cleats. Brian Burnham is, is one of the most outstanding receivers that I've had the pleasure to watch in my career watching the CFL. I hearken back to the day of Terry Greer, a fellow who could catch almost any ball thrown in his direction. And, and the catches he makes aren't just nice catches. They are acrobatic catches that the majority of receivers wouldn't be able to make. Brian Burnham could make it. And it's going to be a real loss to see a player of that caliber no longer with that team. Year after year, we've been blessed with the highlight reel catches. Whenever the CFL puts together their 50 greatest plays of the season, things like that, you know Brian Burnham is going to be a prominent part of that. In some ways, it's hard to believe it's only been eight seasons. He has been an all-star for many of those seasons, and the the career he has put together has been fantastic. Four-time all-star, and... He will be missed, and not just a great receiver, but a great man on the sidelines and with his teammates as well. You could certainly see that. If you saw the tweet that came out from Nathan Rourke on the announcement of his retirement, Nathan Rourke made it clear that he knew that Brian Burnham was going to retire, and part of the reason he got so choked up was he wanted a receiver of his caliber to be able to go out a champion, and he, I think he felt that maybe he failed in getting him there, but we all know that Nathan Rourke did an outstanding job and is one of a multitude of fantastic quarterbacks that have had the opportunity to throw to a player of Brian Burnham's caliber. Best year, 2016. 79 receptions, 1,392 yards. 464 of them were yak yards. Amazing uh, stat. Overall, 476 receptions in his career. 7,212 yards. And 42 touchdowns when you total them all. It's hard to believe. And the one sad note to his career, no Grey Cups, not even an appearance. It is. And that was what Nathan Rourke was alluding to, really pushing hard to get him there this year. It didn't quite pan out. We'll dig into free agency in some upcoming episodes here, but you have to think that that's a big hole to fill on that BC Lions roster. They have a phenomenal receiving core, but to lose the leadership of a guy like Brian Burnham is going to be tough to replace. There's a couple of names in the league tossing around that maybe we'll dig into sometime in the future as potential replacements, but uh, a great ambassador for the league and a player that we're all going to miss watching. Jamal Morrow has re-upped with the Rough Riders. Floodgates are not wide open, but some players are coming back. Yeah, this is a good signing for Saskatchewan. Morrow was one of the bright spots in an offense that didn't have a lot of bright spots. And to see him re-up with Saskatchewan when Saskatchewan's had some difficulties, which we'll talk about later uh, with offense, this is, I think, a bright moment for them in the fact that they've got a player who's shown that he can be an explosive running back. And he teams very well with Hickson, who uh, is also returning. So the backfield for Saskatchewan is returning. A couple other key re-signings with their original teams this week as well. Ty Cranston, defensive back, has re-signed with the Ottawa Red Blacks. 
Pierre-Luc Caron, Montreal's long snapper, always a key in special teams, is back with the Alouettes. And Desmond Lawrence, a defensive back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, has re-signed as well, saying that he elected to stay in Winnipeg. He feels like it's his second home. So again, that speaks to that culture and that locker room camaraderie that the Bombers have built over these last few seasons. As has been pointed out by Three Down Nation, teams will look at their salary cap, and if they have room left in the current year's cap, they will start signing players so that some of that money can come on on the current cap. And we've had some big signings in Winnipeg, which we've talked about before, but these other signings, we haven't seen any of the the marquee players at this point outside of perhaps Winnipeg re-up at this point. So I would expect that we may see some of these come in before the year's end. Could be an opportunity now in South Issue. Nathan Rourke still making the tour. Mm-hmm. He is. There's been several teams that he's worked out for so far, uh, including the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. And alongside of him in in Denver, there are a couple of other CFL players in Jalen Acklin from the Ottawa Red Blacks and Keon Julian Grant from the Montreal Alouettes. So looks like the Broncos aren't afraid to give CFL players a look. Whether that turns into a contract remains to be seen down the road, but it's that time of year where CFL players like to take that peek and see what might be available to them south of the border. If you're Rourke, what are your opportunities to start in the NFL? I think there, there's very few opportunities to step up and start immediately in the NFL. They, they tend to stick with the people that they have drafted first and foremost. And after that, a big name always seems to supersede a player coming in. If Nathan Rourke can land with one of the teams that has quarterback issues and probably will not go after a big name signing, that's where he might have an opportunity, I think, to move into a backup role as opposed to a starting role. If he falls in a backup role and gets an opportunity to play and shines like he has in Canada, I think he will have the opportunity potentially to take over a team if that starter struggles. The Denver Broncos could very well be one of those teams. They put a lot of money towards signing Russell Wilson away from Seattle, and he has been underperforming this year by his standards and by the Broncos standards as well. So an opportunity to pick up somebody like Nathan Rourke and a little bit of a discounted contract as your second stringer. If that opportunity comes his way, it's possible that he can earn some props. That being said, it is always tough as an outsider to crack those NFL rosters. And that's the uphill battle that, that he is facing as are these other players right now. Kind of reminds me of the Bo Levi Mitchell situation when he did his tour in the States. And the last stop was Minnesota. And their GM said to him, we can sign you. You'll be a third stringer. But up in Canada, you started. Wouldn't you rather be in a place where you start than a place where you hold a clipboard? I think something that that Rourke has in favor is is his brother, Curtis Rourke, has made a lot of uh, waves in Ohio this year. And... You know, he's, he's out now with an injury for the rest of the season, but up to that point, he performed very well and potentially could become a draft pick. And having that pedigree or name, if his younger brother, who has outperformed him at Ohio State comparatively, um, does well in the NFL, I think Rourke may get a, a more decent opportunity to, to at least assume a backup role in the NFL. The one thing that he doesn't have, and this is a major comparable, is that his younger brother, Curtis has size, and Nathan does not. And the NFL loves big quarterbacks. 
They do, but there are definitely exceptions to it. I've already mentioned Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals is another one. So they seem to still want to lean towards those six foot four, 240 pound quarterbacks come draft day. But giving other players the opportunity isn't out of the realm of possibility. If you can prove yourself, you do have a chance. And that NFL window is such a small one that I, as much as I love what Nathan Rourke did in the CFL this past season and would, would really enjoy watching him come back and perform at that high level, you certainly can't fault a player for taking that chance. It's pretty rare that a guy much above about 25, 26 years old gets a realistic shot at going down and cracking an NFL roster. So youth is still on his side, and this is the time that suits him best to go down and take a look. One through three, first stringer, second stringer, third stringer, there's only 96 jobs in the NFL. We've had some other CFL receivers head down to camps in the NFL as well. We've seen Tyson Philpott with Montreal Alouettes get a look with the Pittsburgh Steelers alongside of uh, Kean Schaefer-Baker who came out of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Both those guys are in camp, so Pittsburgh having previously had a Canadian receiver uh, in, in Claypool may be looking to find the next Canadian receiver for their team. I would think at this point Tyson Philpott is probably getting a look as a return guy as opposed to a receiver. I don't know that he has the resume as a receiver yet at this point, but certainly kick returns, punt returns, he's shown a knack for that and might be an opportunity for him to crack a, a roster south of the border. Kean Schaefer-Baker, more so likely a, a receiver as well. We've seen what he has done in his limited career with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but he is a very competent and, and speedy receiver and might give him a chance to to get further looks by NFL teams. Might want to give some credit to the agents that are handling these guys and getting their names out there and getting some contracted looks so that they have an opportunity because maybe there's some talent north of the border, but who knows? You just you got to be in the right place with the right person pushing your name sometimes. And one name, if I can throw it out there, that has raised eyebrows with not getting a look is Dalton Schoen of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There was a lot of speculation with him leading the league in receiving yards and touchdowns this past year that he was certainly going to have some opportunities south of the border. He is not a free agent, which means Winnipeg would retain his rights should he come back to the CFL. And there hasn't been a lot of interest yet by NFL teams, and it looks like perhaps Dalton Schoen is going to be back in blue and gold next season. Yes, let's remember that this is a opportunity window that the CFL has provided. And if you are under contract and you go out during the window to have a look at the NFL and have them give you a chance, if nothing happens, you are still contractually obligated to return to the team that gave you that opportunity and come back to the CFL. Ottawa has filled out its coaching staff. Bob Dice named head coach. The interim tag is gone. A very popular move amongst the players in Ottawa. The Red Blacks 
players seem to really love the presence of Bob Dice. He has been special teams coordinator in Ottawa since 2015 until he was named interim head coach on October 3rd. Uh, he was one in three for the rest of this 2022 season, and his previous head coach experience came with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders back in 2015, where he went three and six. I think this is an outstanding move for Ottawa in that Bob Dice, one, is popular, but two, he's well-known and well-respected across the league, and he was able to find a lot of great assistant coaches to move with him, guys that have been in the league and I think are going to move Ottawa to a contender fairly quickly as long as they can get the right players in place. If you look at the Red Blacks over the last couple of seasons, highlights have been hard to come by, but you have to look at special teams and what they have done with Devontae Dedman as a kick returner and Lewis Ward as a kicker have been some of the high points for Ottawa. So certainly a special teams coordinator is a big part in their success, and he is now getting that opportunity to see what he can do leading the team. Joining him on the coaching staff are two gentlemen that worked together this last season at the start of the year. Kahari Jones has come on board as the offensive coordinator and Baron Miles as defensive coordinator. Both of these, of course, were on the Montreal Alouettes coaching staff. Kahari as head coach and Baron Miles as defensive coordinator until they were let go after four games. So reunited for these two and joining Bob Dice looks like a solid lineup of, of coaches coming up here for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Sean Burke obviously was happy with what Montreal was doing because when the opportunity came, he found those people available and went after them. I think that every general manager or even head coach wants to work with someone that they've had an opportunity to work with before and know that they can hopefully, I mean, not know that you'll mesh, but hopefully will mesh as they probably did before when they were working together. And the hiring of Kahari Jones, he, I think, did extremely well when he was an offensive coordinator in both BC and Montreal. So I think it's a great hire for them to get someone with that background and depth of knowledge as an offensive coordinator to step in and help Ottawa because they, they have struggled. Part of it's been due to quarterbacking, but I think Kahari Jones, being a quarterback himself, will also help to settle that position, whoever moves forward as their quarterback next year. I don't know that Burke ever worked with either of these coaches before, but anyway, the interesting part of this equation is that with Kahari now as an offensive coordinator, there is a quarterback that's a free agent in BC. Does he move to Ottawa if Mazzoli, let's say, is not healthy enough to be the starter? This is part of the decision-making for free agents as well. A lot of players want to take a look at those coaching staffs, who's running the show. And as you allude to, Vernon Adams Jr. spent a lot of time with Kahari Jones with the Montreal Alouettes. And again, we're now looking at the situation of what happens with Nathan Rourke. If he goes back to BC, where does that leave Vernon Adams? If he gets picked up somewhere south of the border, is BC able to retain him or is Ottawa a very likely landing spot for him? And at this point, if I'm Vernon Adams Jr., the relationship he's built with Kahari Jones over those last few seasons could play a big part in that decision. The odd man out in the coaching staff is, of course, Mike Benavides. He now is looking for employment. 
Is it possible that the head coaching position in Montreal becomes available to him? It's always a possibility. We we know Danny Machocha, when he took over the head coach position, did not take over with the intention of staying on the sideline beyond the 2022 season. He has to find somebody he is comfortable with replacing himself, and that's never an easy thing to do. Mike Benavides obviously is a coach with a lot of experience in this league. Whether he gets that opportunity with Danny Machocha remains to be seen. Speaking of BC, they did retain their entire coaching staff for the 2023 season. It's, uh, I think, a good move for BC to have that continuity as they move forward. So to run through, they've got Rick Campbell returning as head coach and co-general manager, Jordan McSimmick as offensive coordinator, Ryan Phillips as defensive coordinator, and then you get into Dan Yanowski, special teams coordinator, Kelly Bates, offensive line coach, John Bowman, defensive line coach. A lot of continuity and as we've spoken to in the past, when you start building a successful program, that continuity goes a long way in keeping players happy and under contract as well. So this is a, a great move by the BC Lions to build on what they started as a foundation in 2022. BC, you mentioned continuity. That is huge. Coaching staffs, especially old coordinators, and we think of the NFL, rarely stick together. So to have the entire group back for a second season, that's going to do nothing but help the players. Well, we've seen BC progressively get a step better and a step better, much like we saw Winnipeg when they were struggling initially and decided to stay with Michael Shea and his team of coaches. They they got long-term success by doing that. So I think good on BC for making sure they retain that continuity and they can move forward together and hopefully continue to build on the growth that they've had in the last couple of years. I hearken back to the BC Lions when they struggled with their offensive line and they hired Kelly Bates. At that point, you actually saw that team start to make some changes on offense. And when you've got coaches that that teach and allow people to grow and not only to grow, but to grow together over time, that's only going to help your club. I was going to mention the same thing, Pat. They didn't blow up the offensive line. They stuck with players that they saw potential in got a, a coach and a philosophy in place that worked for them I believe they are probably that second tier of offensive lines in the league I would still put the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Calgary Stampeders ahead of them but certainly you compare where they were in 2022 to where they were in 2019 with Michael Riley getting knocked over on pretty much every throwing play it's marked improvement and as they continue to build that is going to make a stronger offense and a more comfortable quarterback situation as well. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, of course, are the teams on the outside looking in when it comes to offensive coordinators, and the list is growing long as to the people that have declined interviews with the club. At one point, Saskatchewan is a place where I think a lot of coaches would have loved to move to, and right now it seems given the situation, and I think this is a salary cap situation for the coaching salary cap, where you've got a handcuffed head coach and offensive coordinators don't necessarily want to take the risk to jump into not only a coaching situation, but potentially even front office uh, situation where the whole organization, if it's not successful quickly, could turn over. Do you get the job security there when you step in as offensive coordinator? And clearly, at this point, you're not. 
the people that they've had on their list haven't been stepping forward. It is a very tough situation and has to be related to that coaching salary cap. I believe that were that cap not in place, you would have seen a lot more turnover in the coaching staff with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jason Moss was the domino that fell. Craig Dickinson isn't on contract beyond this upcoming season. Neither is general manager Jeremy O'Day. And that can be a, a tough sell to try to recruit somebody to come in. We know Buck Pierce declined the opportunity to interview with Ottawa. We didn't hear his name in conjunction with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders search. But there's a couple other pretty prominent names that have said no. Marcus Howell and Jarius Jackson, both on the Edmonton Elks coaching staff, have decided to stay there. Mark Mueller from the Calgary Stampeders, currently the quarterback coach, did interview and ended up removing himself from the process to return to the Calgary Stampeders. Kahari Jones was another name at that same time that was floated around, and he chose the Ottawa Red Blacks over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So that begs the question of who is left to choose from. Mark Mueller is also the grandson of Rough Riders' great quarterback, Ron Lancaster. Family connection there to the club still chose to go back to John Huffnagel and the Stampeders. The Rough Riders, I agree with you on one point. They have two people in charge on expiring contracts. I don't think that's an absolute delimiter. My bigger question is, you talked about culture in Winnipeg. What is the culture in Saskatchewan? What is happening there that, in and this will be Craig Dickinson's fourth year as coach, this will be his third offensive coordinator. Not one has jumped to become a head coach. That means the other two have been fired. What is that telling? The other big question mark is the quarterback situation as well. It looks like Cody Fajardo is on the way out. There have not been great conversations that we have seen in the media between the Rough Riders and Cody Fajardo at this point. So now you're looking for a, a new starting quarterback potentially as well. And again, that is a factor in recruiting other free agents to come to your team. It's a, a tough situation for the Rough Riders to be in right now. And it looks like it could be a, a difficult time filling some of those holes coming up for the 2023 season. Another factor I would throw out there as well is the offensive line. When you let a record number of sacks occur in the course of the year, an offensive coordinator usually is someone who's aspiring to move to uh, a head coaching job at some point. But if you're not successful as an offensive coordinator, you're not going to necessarily get a look either. So to step into a place where you're not sure about the quarterback, the offensive line, as you mentioned, Don, the culture, that's a big risk. And I think Saskatchewan at this point is likely going to have to go with Kelly Jeffrey, the Riders running back coach, who is the only member of the offensive coaching group that was retained. And he's got some pedigree behind him, but, he, you know, it, it's a big step to, to jump up right away, particularly when you're, at this point, the last choice, or it certainly appears to be so. You can look at it two ways. You can say, I don't want to be there because there are problems, but look at when Devon Claybrooks was struggling in BC, Kelly Bates still took on the offensive line responsibilities and started to turn that aspect of the team around. Even though the team was going nowhere at that moment, he stayed on with the next crew. You have that ability. If you take a reclamation project and do something with it, you will be noticed. If I 
can make a bold prediction. I believe that the rebuild, unfortunately, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders won't occur until the 2024 season. I think they're in a position right now where they will struggle for 2023, given all of these challenges that you have mentioned that have been thrown their way. And it might be an opportunity for a, a clean slate in 2024, possibly a new head coach, new general manager coming into place and really put their stamp on it and try to turn things around. We've seen a lot of different teams go through these same processes. You can only maintain your position at the top for so long. Once that decline starts, you need to start looking at the rebuild mode. And unfortunately for the riders, I think they're a, a year behind recognizing when they needed to start that rebuild. And it's going to be a, a tough challenge, a tough road ahead for 2023. Interestingly, when Craig Dickinson inherited the team from Chris Jones, he had a 13-5 and season. Ever since, they've been stumbling backwards until this year when they lost from September till the end of the season and finished second last in the West. The Ottawa Red Blacks fill out their coaching staff. We see the BC Lions have re-upped their original coaching staff. Has anybody heard anything out of Montreal? It has been crickets. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again the Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.